I'm Brandon Reed, and you're listening to Real Estate for the Rest of Us, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the world of real estate investing. I want to cut through all the industry jargon and instead serve up actionable and unintimidating information that you can use in your own real estate journey. I interview real estate professionals, and we talk about their real-life experiences. It's real simple. Now let's get into the show. In today's episode, I talk with Stephen Weibel. There are a variety of challenges that people face when first getting started in real estate, or for that matter, in taking your existing real estate business to the next level. But high on that list of challenges, as any investor will tell you, is funding. And unless you build your business with a good chunk of your own capital, funding your deals can often be one of the first hurdles that any investor faces. Whether using other people's money to finance the deal, or using terms, or working through a conventional mortgage, every investor would be wise to familiarize themselves with every option out there so that when the right deal comes along, they can make the most informed financing decision possible. Stephen spends his days educating investors about an often misunderstood area of real estate financing, business credit. There are many misassumptions about what business credit is and how it can help you build your business, but Stephen does a great job bringing those to light and offering tangible words of wisdom to help you know the right steps to take when looking into it for yourself. I hope that in this interview, you find practical insights that you can learn from or directly apply as you continue on your own journey in real estate. And now here's my conversation with Stephen. All right, guys, today we have Stephen Weibel on the show. Stephen, how are you, man? I'm good, Brandon. How are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, we were just catching up a little bit. We're both in Florida talking about the change in the weather a little bit. It's cooling down, a lot of rain. But um, yeah, I didn't know you were in Florida. How long have you been here anyways? I moved here in 2010. Okay. All right. Right after the, right after the crash. <laughs> Should have bought yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Yeah. I've been here since 2013. So similar, similar time frame. But um, let me, let me dig right in as we're yeah talking about real estate. Um, how long have you been investing yourself, Stephen? And uh, how did you first get started? Uh, great question. I bought my first properties in 2001 2002 excuse me 2002 and my first purchase was 37 properties one shot wow um uh, how i got in is i i started a print manufacturing company i built it up uh to the point where it was sellable and when i saw my son <clears throat> doing things on the mac and he was i think eight years old at the time uh, that we were charging people five grand for. I'm like, we're done. We're out of business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we need to sell. Like we need to sell now. <laughs> so yeah, we sold, yeah. sold the company looking for something to do. Obviously had to non-compete from the buyer uh, and decided to buy properties. My, like I said, my first purchase was 37 properties. Wow. Tell me, I mean, I'm super curious to hear about that. We're talking today about business credit, but tell me sometimes, you know, as we talk on this show, uh, I try to keep it really uh, unintimidating and really digestible <laughs> for people. And I hear, we hear, you know, that that's, that's common in real estate. People will say things like that because, you know, they just, um, we're throwing out deals, we're throwing out our experience and we'll say something like 37 properties, one shop. And it, it is, and I, you know, I'm a beginning investor, so I can even speak from personal experience. I hear something like that, Steven. And I'm like, Whoa, I couldn't dream. Like that's so, how did that happen? Like break that down a little bit. So when somebody hears that, they're not intimidated, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so first I'm going to expose my age. Um, okay. <laughs> so I'm looking through the newspaper, the classified ads. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, the internet was just really starting to get big then. I think AOL was like the big hit to give you an idea how long ago that was. Um, so I'm looking through the newspaper and we see, my brother and I see three properties for sale in Camden, New Jersey, 
uh, they wanted ninety nine thousand for these three properties. Um, okay. Now you got to understand, Kim, it was row homes basically. Okay. Right? Okay. Two story row homes. Uh, so we called the gentleman up and say, you know, we're interested. We'd love to, you know, see them. We get out, and we take a look, and and my first question is, do you have any more? Because people who own three tend to own five, right? Sure. Sure. Uh, he said, well, yeah, we have thirty seven more or thirty seven total. Great. Can we see them all? Well, some are board up, some are occupied. Blah blah blah. So we go and we look at them. And I asked what they're looking for. Same thing. They want thirty grand a piece. Um, we were able to get them for twelve five. No, eleven five. Eleven five each. Wow. Um, so they were just plan, wanting to unload their whole portfolio. They just happened. Yeah, to like, they were. I want to get rid of everything. Were, yeah, they were moving into commercial. That was their. Wow. Goal. Okay. They okay. were moving to commercial. They were going to do storage units, so they were way ahead of the curve. Okay. Um. So we agreed. Now our problem was we didn't know where we were going to get the money. Right, right. <laughs> right. We had a we had a, a little bit of money, but not that much to close. Plus, uh, about half of them need to be rehabbed. Okay. So we searched around for a hard money company. First of all, we didn't even know what hard money was. We searched around right, for a right. loan. Somebody introduced us to hard money. The first broker that we we met, we paid him, I think, a grand or two up front. And he ripped us off. Never heard from him again. Nice. Um, yeah, isn't that great? So, so yeah. all you newbies out there, <laughs> before right. Right. Words, and and all those of you who have been burned, don't feel bad. They got us too. Sure. Uh, so then we found a second one. Actually, we found the lender that he was originally supposed to go to, uh, and they came and they not only funded the deal, they gave us one hundred fifty thousand at closing. Wow. So we immediately we already had buyers lined up to buy all the occupied properties. So we sold the occupied properties, about half of them, which paid off the entire loan. Oh, okay. Interesting. Including including the one hundred fifty thousand. So we walked away with one hundred fifty thousand at closing. End up with owning all these properties uh, that needed work outright. So then we fixed them up, rented them out, and flipped them to investors. That that was basically our first deal. Uh, all said and done, I feel like we made I want to say four hundred fifty thousand on our first deal. So wow. we were off. We were off to the races. Wow, that's <laughs> uh, crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. It was just luck. And what was great about it was because we performed. In other words, we we agreed to the contract and we fulfilled our obligation, which a lot of sure. people don't. Sure, you see people sure. get under contract, they try to wholesale, and then the, the deal falls apart. Uh, because of that, years later, those same gentlemen came to us and said, hey, we have a 187-unit apartment complex we'd like to sell. We want to give you first shot at it. And yeah. Yeah. and we were able to flip that property uh, without ever taking possession for one point four million in profit with a thousand dollar escrow. Yeah, it's, it's like the home run deal of the century. Uh, but wow. because only because we completed our obligation. In other words, we didn't try and back out or only take half the properties. We fulfilled our obligation. That's so being a man of your word or a woman of your word is a big deal, especially in real estate. Yeah, and I think that um, you know it's it's a cycle that beginning investors and again I'll just throw my hat right in the ring and include myself that like I I have a tough time with getting people to uh, believe in you, trust in you, give you money, give you uh, their time or their experience um, when you have none of your own. Like you have no money, you have no experience to bring to the table, but you're willing and eager to learn. And so breaking through that first bit is really something where you guys, um, I don't want to say fell into, I'm sure it was a lot of hard work, but you guys ended up with such a huge deal that get you so much experience and so much, I guess, street cred for lack of a better term, you could really run on that and like ride those coattails to like other deals and other opportunities. And that's awesome that you got started that, that way. Well, yeah. And you know, what's, what was nice is because they were investors, long-time investors, they said something to me that I never forgot, which is 
you don't make money in real estate when you sell the property. You make it when you buy it. Yep, yep. In other That's words, true. buy it at the right price because we bought these at such a good price that we knew we couldn't lose. Sure, sure. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I guess I guess they were so eager to get out there willing to let them go for that, I guess. Well, here's what happens. Um, when you get to that level, uh, they had depreciated them to zero. So it was, okay. it was a taxable okay. event for them. So they, they didn't care. They were just looking yeah. to get away from it and get into commercials. So, you know, it made sense to them financially and it made sense to, it was just and it was luck let's be honest it was luck i happened to read sure. the right ad at the right time call the right person and and you know do what we did but anyhow that, yeah, that was my foray into real estate <laughs> that was okay. my first first shot well that's really interesting um that's really thanks for, thanks for sharing that i think as we let's let's transition here into kind of what we were going to discuss today talking about getting started talking about maybe younger investors um well no we don't even have to do that just like how um even if you're a seasoned investor i'm sure and you can go into that a little bit of how do you get started specifically Stephen, with business credit first let's talk a little bit about um your experience with business credit um and what your uh yeah what your experience is in that field what your expertise is and how you help people get started with business credit that we can dig into a little bit of the details absolutely okay so if you don't mind what i want to explain because a lot of people have no idea what business credit really yeah, is I'm yeah exactly what beginning. business credit is so Great. business credit is credit that's tied to the company not to you individually Okay. okay. And the way I like to explain to people is look, Sam Walton didn't personally sign for everything coming into Walmart, right? right he was getting right. credit from vendors and whatnot. Uh, it's the same thing. And it's doable even as a startup. In other words, if I started a company today, I could build up a couple hundred thousand in business credit in six to nine months. Okay. okay. So business credit is credit that's tied to the company, not tied to you personally. Now, how that apply how does that apply to real estate? Well, I have to back up a little bit and tell you I came out of the manufacturing world right? In the printing okay. industry. And yep. in that industry, if you don't have business credit, you're out of business. Oh, interesting. Well, look at it from this point of view. Let's say a job's $100,000. Typically, the paper cost is about half that, right? Just the paper, not counting okay. you know, yeah. the employees, ink, whatever. So if you weren't getting credit from your paper vendors, if you had to pay cash up front, you were always giving terms to the end user because oh, they're using yeah. big corporations. Yeah. You know, you'd be out of business. You do three jobs, you're done. Right. So- right. So I understood what business credit was. When I got into real estate, I couldn't believe nobody was utilizing it. Nobody. Yeah, it's not, it's not standard like that. Mm -mm. Yeah, it was cash, 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 cash. And I went, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I began building up the company's business credit profile in the ways that I knew how. Uh, and I got to the point where I had high limit credit with places like Home Depot and Lowe's, um, high limit visas, MasterCards, vehicle financing. In other words, what I did, Brandon, was I made sure that I put nothing in my name personally except real estate. In other words, I didn't use my personal credit unless it made me money. So I wouldn't go to a gas station to whip out my MasterCard and buy gas. Right. Ever. Because what happens when your utilization rate goes up? Credit goes, score goes down. You got it. Now, yeah. here's what invariably happens to every investor. They'll be in on one deal. They, you know, they're leveraging their personal credit, getting the material or paying contract, whatever it is they're doing. And then the most amazing deal shows up and their score is knocked down to 550. Right. Because utilization rates up. Well, imagine if you didn't have to use any personal credit for anything from a day-to-day -day operational point of view. I'm talking about your, again, your vehicle that you're driving around and looking at properties, the gas you're putting in it, your visas, your MasterCards, your you know Home Depot, Lowe's, you, you name it, Amazon. Uh, if the, all that credit was in the company name and, and your personal credit was sat there idle, for lack of a better word, where your utilization rate was zero or you know 20, 30% or less, 
Uh, then when that deal comes up, you're prepared for it. And I'm going to give you a classic example of that. Uh, we scaled from zero to 300 properties in two years. Now think about that. Zero to 300 wow. in two years. Wow. Um, in your in your portfolio or is that you were managing or? No, no. Like, in our portfolio. Wow. Um, what we were able to do was we leveraged business credit. So if I borrowed money from a hard money company, let's say I borrowed $100,000 on a property that was worth one fifty. Right, and the purchase price was seventy five, and the construction was twenty five. I'm just making easy numbers. Mm-hmm. They escrow that twenty five. Anybody who's done a deal out there knows how it works. They escrow the twenty five, and then when you're done, let's say half to give you twelve five, and then the other half to give the other twelve five. Right, that's their protection for sure. themselves. Sure. Well, imagine if if you had one of the big big um, hardware companies give you enough credit that you could buy all the material for that property. And then you have, let's say Visa or MasterCard that you could pay your contractor with a legitimate contractor. Uh, now you've funded that construction without taking your draw yet. Right. Yeah. Now let's say it's a flip, right? So you fund that construction, you get your draw, your thir- your 25 grand, right? You put the house up for sale back when I was doing it, the market was moving super fast, kind of like it is now. Right. Yeah. You put it on, yeah. the, you put it on, on the block. It's sold in two oh, days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was comfortable doing this. I would take the twenty-five grand, split that in half, twelve-five each, and go put it down on two more properties. Oh boy! Now I've got skin in the game. Yeah. Right. Even though it's their skin, right? The first one sells. I pay off all those credit cards plus my profit. Now I'm already under contract, ready to close on two more. Now, now scale that two, then four, then eight, and it just kept going and going and going. That's how I was doing it. But I know, right? But what's crazy is because I wasn't using personal credit, because remember, hard money lenders aren't, aren't, aren't going against your credit score, right? Okay, yeah. So what I would do is uh, I would protect my personal credit. And I had an opportunity where I got a phone call for a 32-unit apartment building, um, and they wanted $330,000. I had an hour to make a decision. So it was a tax sale. So I drove down, looked at the property. It was right across from Rutgers University. It was beautiful. Uh, but it was a wreck inside and it had squatters in it, for lack of a better word. People mm-hmm. were just living there, drug dealers, prostitutes, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I called my bank. They pulled my credit, gave me an instant approval, instant, because I never used my personal credit. Bought the property, fixed up half, rented it out to, to students, and then flipped it for $1.1 million. In six so months. I'm confused because we're mixing the two. You're saying that um, I, I totally understand the concept of you are you you are using this credit against your businesses. I guess like LLCs and stuff that you create, mm-hmm. right? So you're mm-hmm. using that. You're uh, against that. So you're that's where your utilization is. You're protecting your personal credit. Um, w- then when a deal comes along, wh- at what point are you using? Apparently, you, you know, you're saying you're protecting your personal credit, keeping your score high. So when the right deal comes along, you can use it. At which point are you leveraging business credit versus personal credit? Like why did, well, why for that apartment building did you choose to do personal? Because when buying a building, when buying property, unless you're using hard money, if you're going to get a traditional loan, they're always going to look at your personal credit. Okay. okay. Until yeah, you get to yeah, the yeah. point where you could do a blanket loan on multiple properties, uh, but you have to get to a certain level of cash flow. Like there's a lot of other idiosyncrasies that go along with it. Sure. But on the onesie twosie, they are always because somebody's underwriting it, right? Some bank, yeah, Fannie Mae, yeah. whoever, uh, they're going to look at your personal credit. So I only leverage personal credit if I made money at it. Okay. Okay. That makes that makes sense. Um, so when you um. 
there was something else you were saying that was uh, I wanted to clarify. Oh, when I hear, I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit, but th these are really good points you're making, and I wanted to clarify the um, when I hear credit. Stephen, I think uh, super high interest, like uh, expensive money, really expensive money. So when you say I went ahead and I, it's a, when you were doing the easy numbers, 75 for the house, 25 for the rehab, you ended up putting, buying all the materials, paying your contractor, everything, putting $25,000 on credit. Isn't your holding costs crazy high and you have to get that property turned around very quickly to not lose money? Yes, you were exactly okay. right. But however, uh, back then, hard money was 18%. Okay. Okay. All right. So, and the credit cards were like 19%. Okay. Okay. <laughs> just, okay. You know, it was, it was almost dollar for dollar the same difference. The, here was the difference. Um, hard money obviously was interest only, right? Sure. Um, and sure. So yeah, I am paying interest twice on that same money, but keep in mind, you have to adapt according to the market. At that time I was literally, I never had a property on the market more than five days before it was under contract. Never. It was, it was remember They were usually sold prior to finishing. In other words, we put a sign outside, you know, coming soon. Uh, people come in, they, they, yeah, I'm interested. You know, can we write a contract right now? So mm. you had, to, it was based on the market. Would I do that today? Not necessarily. If it's taking 90 days to close on a deal, no, it's, it's not worth it. It's high risk. So, so it, yeah. So tell me a little bit about when you were, when you were doing those deals, um, that sounds, I mean, there's a lot of business savvy that takes a lot of experience. I'm sure you guys learned. I'm sure you did it wrong several times and got burned, but you guys were figuring it out and ultimately making money. But those were, um, I don't want to say you're playing for high stakes, but when you, when you do stuff like that, you, when you, when you bank on your ability to move properties quickly, um, so, you know, you got started before the crash, um, doing that in through the crash, what happened to your business? How did you adapt through that to say, all right, we are doing things. We're counting on these properties moving very quickly and people having the money to buy them off of us. Did you have to adapt your business as things changed? hundred percent. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you right now, this is where I proved that my wife is smarter than I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so right before the crash, my wife said, look, what are you doing? You know, retire, stop doing this. Don't keep scaling. You're, you're doing fine. Sure. We're doing fine. But, and of course, naturally my first instinct is you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, you know, houses only go up in value. Matter of fact, I want to buy a high rise in Philadelphia. So I over leveraged. I a hundred percent over leveraged, which I was still okay. What I didn't know at the time was that when you have a, a rental contract with the government, it's a one-way contract. In other words, you're obligated. They can change the terms anytime they want. Right. Okay. So if you're collecting $1,200 rent on a three-bedroom house from Section 8, and then the fair market rent changes, FMR they call it, uh, which it did in 08, suddenly you're collecting $300 on the same house. Not yeah. good. Yeah, not, not good. good. Uh, and if the copay is one fifty, really not good. Right. So now, now you're right. collecting a buck fifty if you're lucky. Um, and then your mortgage, let's say, is five hundred dollars a month. We'll take three hundred dollar a month loss times three hundred properties. Where does that put you? At a loss. Ninety thousand a month, every month, month in, month out. Yeah. It lasted about it lasted about nineteen months. Um hmm. so now I walked away clean. Uh, for a different reason, what you know, make deals with the banks, you know, keep the tenants in sure. place, those type of deals. But but I actually walked away clean. And the properties I had under construction at the time, I think I had 34 single families. I was at a, I was out of Camden and out in the suburbs now. So the good news was the profit levels were higher. The bad news was the losses were much greater as well. So when sure. the market crashed, you, you know what happened. I don't have to tell you. Uh, sure. You know, it, it, it went down fast. Um, 
But that being said, you know, I, I walked away from a ton of debt that was in the business name, a ton of debt. I had hmm. some personal debt, but almost all of it was in the business name. So business credit is a big deal. It really is. Yeah. Uh, the problem for most business owners and real estate investors specifically, they don't, most real estate investors I talk to look at themselves as a business. In other words, they don't see it as a business. They just see it as, hi, I'm Steve. I'm a real estate investor. Oh, right? interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, um, I never said that. Hi, I own Freedom Real Estate Investments or Freedom Real Estate Enterprises. And that company invests in, in real estate. See mm -hmm. the difference? Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. um, so the problem is because they don't see it as a business, they don't think about business credit. One, they don't know what exists. Two, uh, and three, they don't know how to get started. And that's really the hardest part. Like I could, I could call you today after we got done doing this, explain to you that some of the things you need to do right away and have you getting approved for credit like within 48 hours. Hmm, interesting. Right. Yeah, that, now, that was one of my next questions here is we, so that you, you started uh, going into some tangible examples of like, here's what business credit can do. And here's what it did for me. And those are really uh, tangible and practical examples, which I love on this show. Uh, let's go back to the beginning a little bit of which is I think where you were just headed. How do you get started? How the heck do you do this? It's obviously valuable. You can do deals with it. What do you do to get started? Well, the, the problem lies in when you have no business credit profile, and, and when I'm talking about business credit profile, I'm talking about Dun & Bradstreet, uh, Experian, and Equifax. They have their business credit reporting agencies, okay? So they give your right, business right. a credit score. Well, a lot of people don't even have a business, to your point of like, hi, I'm Brandon, I invest in real estate, not hi, I have this LLC and it invests in real estate. Right. Yeah. Right. So first you need to have an LLC. Sure. You need to have something. You need to start um, LLC, S-Corp, P-Corp. Okay. Any of those? So any legal entity would work? Yes, not a partnership, not a sole proprietorship. Okay, okay. okay. Part, know. partnership and sole proprietorship is basically personal credit. Okay, because okay. you are the entity. You want right. to be the managing member of an LLC. And actually, just from a, in real estate, if you're not an LLC or better, you, you, you're leaving yourself exposed to lawsuits. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, somebody trips on the sidewalk, you're in trouble. Right, right. So anyhow, so assuming you've set up your LLC, uh, here's what I suggest: just right out of the gate, don't go with uh, anything that says investments or real estate in the name of your company. Hmm. You know, I would use something along the lines of White Oak Enterprises, right? Hmm. Something that's blase, it means nothing. Remember, it could just be a holding company. What we're trying to do is eliminate you being pigeonholed into an industry, which means you could be pigeonholed into high risk. Uh, how do those two things relate? Why would being in an industry make it high risk? Well, because there there are certain industries that lenders and creditors consider high risk, and real estate's one of them. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, okay. unfortunately, I disagree with them, but they make the rules. Sure, sure, <laughs> right. Sure. No, that makes so, sense. I mean, but all they'd have to do is look into look into you at all, right? So, I, I realize that, but where we're going with this is, uh, have you ever applied for a credit card online ever in your life? Uh, yes, only online, I think. Okay, um, great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know you get an answer usually within three to seven seconds, right? Right. Oh, yeah, a, right away. Yeah, you either get that congratulations or you get that we'll be sending you a letter, which we all know what that means. Right, right, right. Um, so, so business credit operates the same way. It's all done through artificial intelligence, okay? But they're not pulling your personal credit score because they don't even have your social. And if you don't have a business credit score, they have to look for other factors. We call them fundability factors. Okay. okay. What they really are is fraud detection. Okay. Because 50% of credit sure, applications, business credit applications are fraudulent. 
All right. Mm-hmm. So they had to find a way to, to protect themselves from these fraudulent applications. I mean, it'd be real easy for me to start a company, uh, ABC Incorporated, open up a PO box, get a free Yahoo email and a throwaway cell phone and apply for credit. Right, right. Right. So they had to eliminate those fraudulent applications. They did it through these fundability factors. The first thing they're looking at is the name, the name of the company. Um, now that's a minor factor, but it's still a factor. Sure, so, sure. So, so assuming we get past that, and if you already have a name with investments, it doesn't mean you can't get business credit. I'm just saying, right. if you're just starting, your best bet is to go with something that's a little less obvious. Sure. Okay. So the next thing they're going to look at is your email address. Now, how many times have you seen this, Brandon? I buy houses at gmail.com. Oh yeah, all the time. Yep. Right. Well. That's a free account. That doesn't make you look like you're really in business. Instead, right, totally. it would be info at iBuyHouses.com. Right, exactly. Right. So that's what they're looking for. Something that's more professional. God forbid you have an AOL. Yeah, God forbid. <laughs> you know? um, so, uh, so that's the next thing they're going to look for. So their Again, AI actually looks, you think, it, it, like it determines a funding factor is, is your email. That's interesting. Well, sure, because remember, they're looking to make sure you're legitimately in business. Yeah, and these are all just indicators. Okay. Right, exactly. Because back when I had my printing company, I had a real business address. I had a real business phone number. I had a real website. I had a real business email, right? I was a manufacturer. So you have to think like a manufacturer. Uh, Unfortunately, most do not. Almost every email I get from from clients that we're helping, they start off with, you know, I have a business at yahoo.com. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. They all do. Um, yeah, and I'm guilty. I'm guilty as charged, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, until until I figured it out. So th- that's the next thing you're going to look at. Okay. Okay. This one's the killer for real estate investors. There is, if you're old enough to remember, you may or may not be. I definitely am. Uh, back in the day, you could pick up your phone that hung on your kitchen wall and dial four one one and get Joe's Pizza or Tom's Repair Shop or whatever. Right. Sure. You could get the phone number to a business listed in your town, uh, or even nationally. It's called the National 411 Database. It still exists today, and it's the first place they check to see if you're in business. What? Why? Yep. <laughs> I know. I know. Weird. So, well, how do you even get in? Like, I, my LLC surely isn't in the 401 directory, right, right? Right. So it's not that hard. The problem is, if I asked you for your business number, what would you give me? My Google Voice number? Exactly. Okay, you're at least half a step ahead of most people. (laughs) Um, Most people would give me their cell. Sure, sure. So Google Voice is the right street. It's just the wrong direction. I have one as well, just so you know. I have one for my real estate. I've had it forever. I'm never getting rid of it. Mm -hmm. Um, However, it's not listable because Google owns that number. You do not. You have no rights to that number. They can take it from you at any time they want. Sure. Okay. So you do want to get, and that is a voiceover IP and you can get a real business phone number from somebody like uh, ring central ringcentral.com where it forwards to your cell. Okay. Right. right. Now I highly suggest that for a couple of reasons. Uh, you can get digital voicemails, you know, printed out voicemails. Uh, but also it's a legitimate business phone number and it's listable with the national 401 database. You go to listmenow.net and you can list your number. Okay, so that four one one all has to do with because you said this is a really important fa- important factor. So I want to clarify you four one one to get in there. You go into listme.net or whatever. I'm sure people could just Google how to get in the four one one directory, and the uh, it's it's your phone number. That's what it goes off of. Right. Well, they're gonna they're gonna want your address and everything. So it all has okay. to match, which we're gonna okay. come to. Uh, okay. But yeah, they're gonna the name of your business, your phone number. I suggest an eight hundred number. Uh, I know it's a little more expensive, but remember. What we're trying to accomplish is make you look like a legitimate business who's going mm-hmm. to be in business. 
Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of an expense, but in the long term, it pays a thousandfold. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you got now you're listed with the National for One database. The next thing we're going to look at, or we lenders and creditors, is your address. Now, once again, real estate investors are the worst when it comes to this. Do not ever, ever use a P.O. box. Ever. Right. Right. Ever, ever, ever. And I know they do it because they don't want their tenants knowing where they live. I get right. that. Sure. Um, so get yourself a virtual office instead. Go okay. to, which is basically a mail forwarding service, but the, it's a legitimate office building. You can go and use their conference room and whatnot. The two biggest in the country are Regis and Alliance virtual offices. Uh, I actually had an office because I took a commercial building that I bought and made it my office. Um, so I had a physical address and they prefer to see that in, in, in the business credit world, that would be a grade of an A. A B would be a virtual office. C would be your home address. Everything else fails. Automatic instant denial. I know several people, and I got this advice, this is what I did, um, did a UPS mailbox. That way, it's an actual physical address. Is that also a C or below? That's a great question. That's a, It's an automatic denial. Oh, interesting. Because it's okay. not considered. It's worse than a P.O. box, huh? It's the same thing. It's the same as a P.O. box. Oh, okay. 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 So, okay. so what happened is in the 70s, uh, the, the – uh, industry, the virtual office industry sued to be recognized as an actual address as opposed to a PO box because they used to be recognized as a PO box. Oh, okay. They, okay. they won their lawsuit and now they are recognized as an actual address because they understood the difference between a PO box and a virtual office. Uh, so if you go with a UPS box that's still in the post office mind and in lenders' minds, that's a PO box. Remember, it's something that is, you can't, if I, if I can't Google Earth your building. Yeah. It's a PO box. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I if I Google Earth your building uh, and do a street view and I see UPS <laughs> store, you're denied. If I see a ten story glass building and you've got a suite in there that acts like a PO box but it's an actual you know office, that's different. That's legitimate. The virtual office. Are you actually paying for? Are you oh. in like a lease? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a lease. Now, listen, you don't have to go that route. You can use your home, but keep this in mind. If I pulled your business credit report, if you gave me your LLC and I pulled your report, on your report is a picture of your office. Interesting. So if you're a real estate investor and you're putting an offer in on a property that's $1.7 million and I, and I pull your business credit report and I see you're living in a trailer, I'm going to be a little concerned about your offer. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm being facetious yeah. here, but you get my no, point. No, yeah, def- definitely, definitely. Yep, yep. Okay. Uh, plus, if you're if you're a landlord, you don't want your tenants knowing where you live. Yep. Yep. You know oh, interesting. Okay. Don't. Yeah. That. So that all of that makes a lot of sense, Stephen. That is such practical advice, and that's a great, great way to lay it out. And that it feels a little bit. You know, I'm hearing all this. I'm taking notes for myself of like, oh man, here's um some things I need to be considering. But it feels intimidating to me. Like I, that. I can't. I mean, I'm doing this. Is I I invest for my wife and I's uh, financial freedom and ultimate retirement. Like it's it's on the side. I work at Disney full time. Um, mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't afford, we are, we have a little baby and one on the way. I can't afford an office space, like a monthly rent on an office space. So like, how do I, how could I, how could I go about getting business credit with an automatic denial of something like UPS box? We're already, that's a real expense for me. That's like, you know, I don't know, 16 bucks a month or something, but that goes in my budget. And that's something I consider. I could, how do I get business credit? Uh, I, I agree with you. Unfortunately, there's no way around that. 
Interesting. Um, okay. You're, if, if, if you're looking for a credit, then you have to go with your house. And I'm going to tell you, even using your house, the limits are much lower because, again, you look okay. small. Okay. 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 So maybe you, maybe you could get approved, but your limits would just be lower. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, so I'll just use Home Depot or let's say Lowe's as an example. Um, maybe I have a virtual office. I get approved for, for 15000 You get approved for 5000 Mm-hmm. that's the difference okay, okay? and okay. as you go further along the limits get like they just never seem to go up when it's a when it's a a, a home-based business and i'll tell you i started my printing company out of my basement so you know, sure, everybody sure. who starts their business tends to start it at home because we're watching the dollars like you said right right but and and i get that there's some expense involved but when starting a business um you have to have that just in the back of your mind, I'm going to have some expense. And as you grow, look, Brandon, right now you have that issue, but let's say you had enough properties where you're like, you know what? Now I want to start a property management company. I'm going to have an office. Sure. Like you don't know where you're going tomorrow. Sure. Sure. Of course. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I ended up with five different companies with my real estate company because I started managing other people's properties and I had my own construction team. And, you know, it thinks I never saw that coming when I started it. Right. Right. Of course. So, so this, these are some things they look for. I'm going to tell you another big one that, that I'm always amazed at. And if you own an LLC, open a business bank account. Okay. Do not use your personal bank account. First of all, you're commingling funds, which is a real problem mm-hmm. um, for, for the IRS. But second of all, they have something called a bank credit score that they can see pretty fast. I mean, like within a second or two. It doesn't tell them what's in your bank account, but it does tell them when you opened it. And it does tell them what your, that if your average balance is between X and Y over 90 days. All right. And they score you based on that. Okay. So if you tell them, and I've seen this, I have 50,000 in the bank and they run your bank credit score and it comes up with a number that shows you're having under 10,000 in your account over 90 days that you lied. They caught you. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So, but, but at least have a business bank account and do not, and I hear real estate investors do this all the time. They'll buy shelf corporations, aged corporations. You hear people call them, uh, unless you're buying it with a bank account that's been open since the day they registered that business you're going to get caught and they're going to mark your uh, file as fraud. Interesting. And when, and when I tell you when they mark your file as fraud, the reporting agencies, there's no removing it. There is no oh, fair wow. credit reporting act. It's done. You might as well close it. You're never getting credit from anybody. Oof. Yeah. It'll literally say fraud right on your, on your credit report. <laughs> yeah. Um, so shelf corporations do not work. The only time they really work in today's day and age is if you want to get a government contract, if you're a contractor like construction, uh, they'll accept a shelf corporation as, as an age corporation because you have to be in business three years. But other than that, don't use it for credit. I see people try it all the time and they have to start all brand new companies. Okay, okay. All right. Um, so now let's say you've got all your fundability factors and these are some some of the big ones that most people fail. My friend, people fail the first three, usually two out of three they fail. But let's say you've okay. got all that together. Yeah. Now it's the big problem is where do you go? Because you not only want to get credit, but you want to make sure they're reporting as well. And the issue is only 7% of all companies and lenders report to the business credit reporting agencies. 7%. That's it. So, like, for example, if I gave you $50,000 in credit, let's say I was a private lender. I don't know. um, And you paid me. I don't report. So, it's not benefiting you other than the actual credit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right? So, you need to know who to report to. That's really where we excel. Uh, Credit suite didn't invent business credit. It's been around forever. Like I told you, Walmart, our entire business plan was built on business credit. Mm. Uh, But we organized it. So where it took me five years to build my business credit profile with us, typically six to nine months, because we know who you can go to, who's going to approve you and where they're going to report. 
having that information is kind of like having a roadmap. Sure. Right. So I'm going to give your, your, your listeners, somebody they can go to right now. If they set up all those fundability factors, they can go to a company called, um, I'll pick on one. Uline. Uline is a shipping company, right? Supply company. Um, they'll give net 30 terms, net 30 for those you don't know means you have to pay the bill in 30 days. They, they give you the credit, they mail you the product, you have 30 days to pay the bill and then they report. Um, now you can like, I, for me, I bought a trash can. (laughs) <laughs> from them for 90 bucks you know them big curbside trash cans yep yep right i don't i didn't really need shipping products what am i gonna do with those but i saw they had tried they also have tools so i bought it i paid the bill it reported i have a positive trade line now hmm. now i move on i'm done with them right i won't use them again at least for a couple of years uh there are starter vendors who do that including home depot has net 30 accounts most people have no idea that Home Depot has a net 30 account where you can buy material to fix your property and not pay the bill for 30 days. Hmm. Big deal. And it's a starter, somebody you can get right out of the gate. Yeah. But they're not called Home Depot. It's a different, it's a different name brand, but it's owned by Home Depot. Okay. Okay. So if you get enough of these reporting, once you get over 14 trade lines reporting, now you're getting credit with revolving credit with places like Home Depot, Lowe's, Amazon. You're getting vehicle financing. Uh, you know, I drove an F-250 uh, with I buy houses on the side. It wasn't in my name. Hmm. It was in the company name. Okay. Yep. Now think about that. Think about your vehicle that you're driving right now. Uh, if it was in the company name, that's less debt against you personally. Sure. Right? So your debt to income ratio gets better. Right, because they're not seeing it; it doesn't report on your personal credit. But th- there are guidelines you have to meet for that vehicle, right? Like we, yeah. I have to do business things with it. Well, well, absolutely. I mean, I drove mine okay. to look at properties. I got in my yeah. You know, if I was if somebody called and they want to sell their house, I got in the truck and drove to their house. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and let's be honest: as real estate investors, you're basically at work all the time. Sure, sure. Like you're driving, even if you're going to Disney, right? Right. You're driving sure. by and seeing, you know, a uh, home for sale by owner. You're thinking, you're, you're, what's your mind? Where's your mind going with that? Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so uh-huh. when I was when I was in the printing industry, I used to walk through grocery stores with my wife and just look at all the labels on the cans and be like, I got to call that company. <laughs> I got to call yeah. that company. <laughs> so, yep. so my point is that you can, you can absolutely get things like that in the business name, not tied to you personally. And I'm telling you, Brandon, it's, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. I'll give you an example. My brother and I are going to get back into real estate. We're watching, you know, Florida's hot right now, right? Yeah. I don't mean, sure. I don't mean physically hot. I mean, yeah. you know, it's <laughs> the, the real estate market. It's too hot for my taste as a matter sure. of fact. Sure. So I'm expecting a pullback. So what we did is we made sure we built it up and we have about $150,000 in, in credit available to us in the business name. Okay. okay. We're waiting for the right opportunity. These are, these are high limit business credit cards that don't report on the personal credit at all. They only mm. report on our business credit profile. We use them a little bit and then paid off, use them a little bit paid off. But what we're really doing is trying to get the limit higher and higher and higher. Um, so that if we see an opportunity, we can step in and do what we have to do. I wouldn't even borrow the construction money from the hard money lender. I would just borrow the purchase mm. or I would buy it with a regular mortgage. Uh, I can tell you that with this credit, again, in the business name, like my brother, in, in his case, he's an 850, 840 credit score, excuse me, 850 is the highest, 840 credit score. He has no utilization because any utilization he had, he transferred to his business credit card, paid it down because it was 0% interest, 
and now he's got zero utilization, zero. Right. Hmm. So business credit is also a way for you to manipulate systems is the wrong word, but you could certainly use it to your advantage. Sure. Right. Sure. Um, that's why it's so important. It's just, it's hard. You know, it's work. It's not like anything else in life. The more you put into it, the more you get out of it. Yep. Yep. Right. It's not easy, but, but it is a game changer and every real estate investor should be doing it. Every mm. real estate, even if it's just, um, getting to the point where you just get visas and MasterCards. Right? Mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. Let's say let's say you have a hard money loan. Your construction is twenty thousand dollars, and it turns out you found something. You found termites or something after the fact, right? Now you mm -hmm. got an extra five grand. You don't have the cash to pay it, but you got to finish the deal, right? Right. Well, if if you had a five or ten or fifteen thousand dollar credit card in the company name that you could pay that extra, you'd be fine. Mm -hmm. You're not taking, not stroking a check, right? Right. That's why it's a big deal. I know okay. I'm going off on a I'm going off on a tangent here. No, no, no. <laughs> this is all this is all helpful, Stephen. It really is. So the um uh is you and your brother uh, have built up this credit and you're kind of waiting for the right deal and you're in Florida and you're watching the market. Do you, you said you're using it a little bit, paying it off, using it, paying it off. Um, is it like personal credit and that if you don't use it at all? Well, actually, I don't even know if this is what personal credit does. But do do you, do you start? Does the limit go down? Or does your score go down or something? Or if you don't use your personal credit cards after a time period, um, they they could lower the limit. Or like okay. in one case, I, I have a Capital One card that I, I just never use. Just mm -hmm. never use. It. Remember, I have two Capital Ones. One's like you know fifteen thousand dollar limit. One's two thousand. So I never use the two thousand. Mm -hmm. And I called them and said, "Hey, why don't you raise the limit?" They said, "Why? You never use it." Yeah. <laughs> so they right, didn't raise right. the limit. So what we did is we got seventy thousand dollars of credit. We used it. Paid it off, used it, paid it off, used it, paid it off. Not all of it, obviously. Right. Uh, once it hit 12 months, we called and said, hey, how do you feel about raising the limits? Every one of them doubled it. Okay. So because we knew we were ahead of the curve. In other words, we knew we weren't ready to start buying yet. Okay. So we planned this way in advance. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm expecting that 140 to go to like 210 in the next 12 months. Okay. Now, if I have $200,000 in, in available credit, how much damage could I do without a mortgage? Right. You could, you could do a lot of damage. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So, right. And that's how we're looking at it. Look, you know, we could find a, maybe a property for $150,000 that needs $50,000 in work. Well, we've got – even if, even if I get, put a regular mortgage on it, right, just a regular you know, Fannie Mae, 20% down, uh, I've got all the repair money I need. Okay. But you can't, you can't buy – a property on the car or on the credit can you no 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 no. i okay. mean you can get okay. cash advances but i wouldn't say that i right. would want to pay that kind of interest rate right right okay no, so you're, but, you're talking about specifically for when you when you build up your credit you're specifically talking about for repairs yeah because when i look at back in my career every time i had a problem it had nothing to do with buying the property wrong it was always the repairs were more than i thought right sure sure I, I mean anybody who invests in real estate if they tell me that every time they estimated the repairs they were always right they're right. lying right right <laughs> unless, exactly unless they're doing the work themselves right and even mm -hmm. then um mm -hmm. you know you get in you can't see the plumbing you have no idea what's on sure. florida, on florida sure. it's under uh, brandon when i first got to florida i lost my mind i didn't know they put the plumbing underground yeah right you know i was used to basements uh-huh yeah <laughs> you know yeah um so you just never know what you're dealing with and the problem is and i've seen this so many I mean, i've purchased so many properties from real estate investors who got into the rehab ran out of money and now they were screwed yep yep so i'd buy it at a discount and then i'd finish it 
mm. and I take the profit. They'd walk away with nothing. They just walk away clean. I've right, seen that right. so many times. Well, their problem was poor planning. They didn't right, have sure. a parachute. They had enough money to rehab the property. That's it. Yep, yep, yep. And, and that's that's something that is look. It's it's risky. Yeah, <laughs> it's, for sure. It's risky. You know, unless it's it's uh you know paint paint and maybe um, landscaping. That's one thing. But when you're when you're doing a real rehab, new sure. kitchens, new baths, new you know roof, whatever. Uh, I just did one where um, where I, I'm still a licensed real estate agent, where the owner of the house cut the joists. Cut, cut the trusses up in his wow. attic to gain yeah. access to an addition, but he never oh. fixed them again. Oh, now imagine, no. <laughs> imagine you're buying the house, right? You can't yeah. see it. You get up there, you can't see it. It's all the way in the back. Right. We found it. We found it through the home inspection, through the roof inspection. Wow. We were like, you cut the, he's like, yeah, it was only six of them. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So now imagine you're a rehabber. <laughs> right. And and that's it wasn't that big a deal as like a thousand bucks to fix it, but still that's a thousand dollars. Right, right. That's what I'm talking about. You've got to be prepared. And business credit kind of gives you that cushion because there's something else I'm not talking about. Business credit limits, and this is you can go right to the SBA website and check this, are typically ten to a hundred times greater than personal credit. Hmm, okay. Ten to a hundred times greater. And I'm gonna give you an example that will make sense to your listeners. So if you're an over-the-road trucker, right? Brandon changed careers and suddenly he's over-the-road trucker. Uh, and you personally went and applied for a gas card. They may give you a $500 gas card. They may even give you a $1,000 gas card. But as an over-the-road trucker, I see between ten dollars and $50,000 limits all the time. And it makes sense because a trucking company is going to use a lot more fuel than an individual will. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so the lenders and the vendors, they know that they want your business. Matter of fact, what I love seeing is I'll see a truck driver come through our program and they'll get a $5,000 limit out of the gate and then they'll apply to a different credit card, a different fuel company uh, next. And uh, suddenly it's 12.5. Now, by the way, this is being reported on your business credit report so they can see it. They'll see you have a 12.5 limit with, let's say, BP fuel, BP oil. Uh, and then Exxon says, well, we'll beat that. We'll give them 25. You see, they're competing mm-hmm. for your business through the mm-hmm. credit limits. Mm-hmm. Now, make that Home Depot versus Lowe's, which, by the way, is so much fun when you use them against each other. You know, they're always across. <laughs> they're, you know, they're always across the street. Always, from each other, right, always. right. So yeah. it's really fun to walk into one and say, "Well, I got this limit over there. Do you want my business? I'm spending thirty grand a month." Yep, yep. It's a lot of fun. It really wow. is. But they're not going to do that for you individually. Sure, sure. They'll give you a three or a four or five thousand dollar limit, but imagine a twenty five thousand dollar limit. Right, right. Imagine having four different companies because remember this is scalable. Mm-hmm. You could do the same thing for four different companies. Now imagine twelve five limit with lows times four. Right, right. Now you you know you've got some capital to work with here. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. So that what you had gone into this a little bit earlier, Stephen, but what. What are you, what do you typically see? Cause these are, these are so many good examples, how to get started, what it can do for you once you're started, uh, what the, what this, uh, access to capital can do for your business. But what do you see people doing wrong? What are misassumptions that people are making about business credit? How are they getting started incorrectly and getting burned? I mean, what, what are you seeing mistakes? Uh, well, that the first thing they do, I see it all the time. Look, the lenders and creditors, their one goal in life is to get you to put your social down. Okay. Because if they can get you to put your social down, you've just personally guaranteed everything. Sure. Right. So 
we as as human beings in the United States of America have been trained when we see a blank line on an application that says social, what's the first thing you do? Yeah, put in your personal social. Mm -hmm. Leave it blank. Okay. Do not put your EIN in. That's against federal law. Do not put any number in there. Just okay. leave it blank. And, and look, here's what I would suggest to your listeners. If they go You're to talking about when you apply for business credit? Correct. Exactly. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, as a matter of fact, uh, yeah, we'll get this out of the way now. If they go to creditsuite.com, right on the homepage, there's a four-step business credit building guide they can download. Nobody's going to bother them. Okay. Um, and it'll give them the step-by-step -step process for the beginning, the things that we talked about. I know I talk super fast. No, uh, it's good. Yeah. They can read it. It's free. Like I said, nobody will bother them. They may get invited to a webinar to watch and they'll learn even more. Sure. There. But anyway, so that's the first mistake I see. The second mistake I see is they go right for the high limit cash cards before they even build a profile. It's kind of like you just graduated from high school. You're 18 um, and you go, you know, I think I'll apply for a mortgage. No job history, no credit profile. You go right to the mortgage. Remember, let's go for a million dollar mortgage. I see that all the time. Hmm. So instead, they 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 don't know how to build their profile. Remember, I had someone call me yesterday. She's been following us for a long time, and we give away a lot of free information. <clears throat> so she had gotten to what I call the wall. Uh, we give away just enough free information to get people excited. Sure, Obviously, sure. We let them we let them taste the cake so to speak. Yep. Yep. Uh, she's like, I have three trade lines reporting. Why am I not getting approved for the visas or MasterCard or American Express? I'm like, you're not even close. Right, right. That, and she's been, she went straight from three to American Express. Mm -hmm. Well, she skipped over everything in between and she keeps getting denied and she spent months getting denied and trying to figure out why. Right. That's the, that's the real big mistake. Everybody gets excited for the, what I call the big credit and they skip over all the steps in the process. Look, my first credit card ever was a jewelry credit card as an individual, mm -hmm. right? I went and bought jewelry for a girlfriend who I can't even remember her name, um, <laughs> <laughs> right? But yeah, it was probably a $200 limit or a 150 limit or whatever it was, and I paid it off, and now I have a credit score. And then my next car was a gas car. You know you know how we all build our personal sure, credit. Sure, sure. Um, it's the same thing in business credit. It's just faster, a lot mm -hmm. faster, and the limits mm -hmm. are a lot higher. Matter of fact, I typically see startup companies get thousand recommended for $1,000 limits startups. Hmm. And then once they have enough trade lines, that'll double to 2,500. Sure. Then the next set of trade lines, I'll see 7,500 to 10,000. Then I'll see 12,5 to 20. Uh, it just, it grows very, very quickly. Okay. So that's the biggest mistake. I see people go right to, Hey, I got a business. I have one yeah. trade line reporting. Let me go ahead and apply for this MasterCard with right. Chase. Right. <laughs> you know, and they get denied right. or they get asked for the social. And by the way, that's something that has changed with the advent of the Homeland Security. Um, they will ask for your social at some point, but you can say to them these exact words, I will give you my social security for identification purposes only. It is not to be used for the credit. Okay. Okay. And the reason is they want to make sure you're not um, money laundering, to be honest with you. Okay. Now, let's say I get a $20,000 limit with Amazon. I could buy $20,000 in product, right? Sell it for $15,000 on Craigslist, take the cash and fund terrorism. Yeah. Right. You know right. what I mean? That's, that's why they ask for identification. Okay. Um, so, so just keep that in mind. None of your listeners are there yet because <laughs> right, they, right, right. they don't, they don't ask that until you get to the higher tiers, but that is okay. something they, they will have. I've gotten phone calls. People say, wait, you told me not to put my social down. That's right. why. 
that has changed. Right. right. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, well, let's talk, let's talk, let's shift a little bit again and talk about you, uh, personally, Steven, you've done a lot of different things and a lot of different areas. It sounds like, and you, you know, you've had multiple businesses and you just have experienced a lot of different areas. What, um, as you, as you have gone through your career and you've learned a lot of different things, um, you know, on this show, one thing I just hear so often of people that are successful at what they're doing is they're consummate learners. They're curious by nature. They're always digging in. They're always figuring out uh, new ways to grow their business, uh, ways to uh, grow themselves. So what, what is something that you have done uh, personally for your own education, whether it be in real estate, whether it be uh, in business credit, as you've learned that or in manufacturing, what, as you have grown in your career, what's something you've done that's been the most valuable thing uh, for your education to be successful in your life? That's a great question. Um, I can tell, I mean, I read a lot, but because of my age and I'll expose it, I'm 54 years old. Uh, mm-hmm. I was not big into the internet. I'm a, I'm an old handshake face-to-face kind of guy, sure, right? ex, sure. ex-marine, blah, blah, blah. Um, I found out that I absolutely love podcasts, love yeah. doing it, love hosting a show, mm-hmm. love, mm-hmm. love talking to people. Um, that's not something I ever would have thought of ever, sure, ever. Sure. So, so I tend to listen to a lot of podcasts and I watch a lot of YouTube videos just to get a feel for, for, um, for the way things flow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a marketing guy. Never have been. I always had somebody else to do that for me. Um, you know, I, look, I was, I was a bandit sign guy. Oh, that looks like a good idea. Sure. And I stuck a bandit sure. sign. Right. It's, that's like one of the worst things you could do. Actually. Um, <laughs> people are so used to seeing that they don't even pay attention to them anymore. Right. Um, but I can tell you with doing this type of, of, public information giving because that's really what mm-hmm. it is right we're mm-hmm. giving information uh the the return is tenfold sure a, a hundredfold uh mm-hmm. i get i get back more than i give on these mm-hmm. and i'm not talking about this where i'm a guest i'm talking about we have our own podcast right, as well right uh and i just get to talk to some high level people that's that and and join a group whether it's an investment group or whatever where you're the dumbest person in the room sure Yep. Make sure if if everybody's coming to you for advice, you're in the wrong room. Right. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Get, yep. get surrounded by people who have been there, done that, and are doing it again. That's really to me. Those are the keys. Uh, I'm learning a new skill set, which I'm not going to talk about now because we're in a business credit podcast. But um, what I'm doing is I'm making sure I follow the right people and watch their videos sure. to learn this particular yeah. skill set. Uh, yeah. To me, that's it. It's all about learning. You know, decide what you want to do. Have fun with it. Um, and learn as much as you can. And like I said, surround yourself with people who know more. Yeah. I think if there's one thing I hear most commonly on that question, it's surrounding yourself with the right people who know what to tell you and how to walk you through it. I think it, it's that whether it's in person and joining the right organizations or, or, um, yeah, or real estate associations, whatever it might be in real estate, um, or, like you said, podcasts, information online, free or otherwise, uh, surrounding yourself with that knowledge, yourself with that knowledge as well, and always intaking. I think that's really good advice. Yeah, as a matter of fact, if everybody who's talking to you is giving you compliments, you're talking to the wrong people. Sure, sure. <laughs> sure. Know, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Right, right. <laughs> you know I hear you. I mean? Yep, yep, yep. But, but yeah, that's 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 really to me a big deal. If I if I could go back yep. to my 18 year old self, that's what I would tell my 18 year old self. Hey, listen, here's what you need to do because I didn't learn this till I was in my late 40s. 
Okay. Yeah, for sure. Well, let, let me ask you something else. If uh, it, Whether it be with Credit Suite, whether it be in your own personal real estate portfolio, tell me something, a goal that you have for the next year, somewhere, something uh, that you want to accomplish, somewhere you want to be in the next year uh, in your business. <sighs> okay. Um, I'll, I'll give you Credit Suites. Uh, okay. What I would like to see, this company is amazing. I love what they do. They're a giving company. Uh, when I came on board, they were doing a couple million. We're well over 15. I'd like to see us at 50 million in the next two years, which I nice. think we're going to accomplish. Uh, we, nice. you know, The word's getting out, so to speak. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And I love that we help so many people. And when I say help people, you know, we have our program that people pay for it, but we give away so much free information. We help yeah. everybody. I, I have people call me that literally have no money. I'm, I'll spend a half hour talking to them. Let me, yeah. that's okay. You have no money. Let me show you what you should be doing now. Yep. And, yep. and I, I just love that. This I want to see this company hit a hundred million at some point. Um, but Amazing. You know, right now that's our short term goal. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, and then I have one more question that I usually ask that's if you could go back to the beginning and tell yourself something and give yourself some advice, what would it be? But you just answered that. You'd say, surround yourself with the right people, make sure people are in place to walk you through what you need and do it wisely. Well, I, you know what the caveat on that is? Not only surround yourself, but listen to them because my wife told me to yeah. stop. And I yeah, there I you go. <laughs> I could have been retired. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so you got to listen, surround yourself with good people, but make sure you at least pay attention to what they're saying. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man, that's funny. For sure. Um, well, lastly, Stephen, what's, uh, what's the name of your podcast? How can people find it? Uh, we're the Business Credit and Financing Show. Okay. Um, there's actually two of us. T Ty does that one, and I do the influencers, what we call the industry leaders, um, okay. where we interview people just like yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so they can they can just go to creditsuite.com, look up podcast, look up in the media, and you'll you'll hear us. Perfect, awesome. Well, great, Stephen. This was all super valuable. Um, I loved it. You were very very practical about what you shared. There's some really tangible steps here. Um, and again, like like he said uh, to my listeners, go to creditsuite.com. You can get uh, the four step. Uh, it sounds like there's like a free PDF or something. Is that right, Stephen? Yeah, it's a business credit builder. Got it. It's right on the homepage. Awesome. You don't have to scroll through anything. Just right there. It's the first thing you're going to see. Perfect. So that's, yeah, a lot of what you walked through today, which I think is, yeah, really practical. And that's what I love. Things that people can take and uh, take action on. So that's awesome. Thank you for well, your time today, Stephen. I really appreciate it, man. Oh, Brandon, it was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Let me just uh, ramble. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, it was more than rambling. There's great stuff here. Really appreciate it, man. All right. All right. You take care. You too. All right, bye-bye. Bye. If you guys enjoy the show, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. That actually helps a lot to get the podcast out there as people are looking for helpful real estate investing resources online. You can also like our Facebook page to keep up to date with new episodes as they publish. And don't forget to subscribe through whatever podcast player that you use. If you have questions about a specific topic that we covered, or if you have a suggestion about another area that you'd like to see me dig into, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out. I'd love to get in touch. You can email me at brandon at realestatefortherestofus.com. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. One show at a time, we'll work to make real estate investing accessible for the rest of us.